I want to say that the fierce feminine is not an angry bitch. That is two very distinct frequencies. The angry bitch wants to point the finger and wants to harm you. Whereas the fierce feminine doesn't want to harm anyone. It's not about blame or shame. It's just this high, deep velocity of no. Mm. This is not happening anymore. This game, this play is over. And when a woman and a man taps into that, it's like, okay, <laughs> you, can, you can hear it a million miles away. What is the authentic frequency and what is someone, you know, it's laced with our own personal anger. You're listening to the Period is Power podcast. I'm your host, Hannah Grosso, and I want you to know that you are powerful, period. I am on a mission to shatter the standard perception of what it means to be a menstruating woman and radically shift the conversation around women's menstrual cycles, your womb, and the capacity your womb offers you as a portal for rising into your full essence and authentic code, for healing your body, your mind, your relationships, and this planet. And just by tuning in here today, we are achieving this together. So thank you for being here. Hear from both men and women who are not only embodying all our potential to live, create, and be exactly our soul's desires, but do so in a powerfully raw and real way. You may have noticed that I have not reported back since the last episode with Live Free Laura D on Ayahuasca for Awakening Your Inner Visionary, which if you haven't listened to that episode, definitely find time for it as it was really powerful and I also shared that I'd synchronistically been called to sit in ceremony on the very night that podcast released. And my, oh my, did the grandmother have lessons for me. Lessons that I actually wasn't quite sure if I was going to share publicly. I I needed time to really integrate my experience and take inspired action in other areas of my life, one of which being the total revamp and relaunch of the Pleasured Mama Method, my online three-month embodiment program for mothers who desire a deeper relationship with their body and sensuality, which has been so transformatively infused or Uh, charged, if you will, with the powerful lessons and renewed passion that I received from sitting in ceremony. And if you don't yet follow me on Instagram at I am Hannah Grosso, definitely go do that right now because that's definitely the best place to receive all updates in real time of what I'm offering and sharing So for those of you who follow along with this podcast, I 
I apologize. I didn't intend to leave you with such a, uh, a cliffhanger um, of like, what the heck happened at my ceremony that made me disappear from here for, for three weeks. But I'm, I'm here now and I'm ready to share one big takeaway from my ceremony, which of course, as it typically goes with this spirit-led podcast, this episode with Anaya Sophia was such medicine and such a powerful complementary healing that really put things into a new perspective for me, and I trust that it will for you as well. I kept intending to record and release a few different inspired talks with you over the last few weeks, but it just kept not feeling right and not feeling right, and now it is very clear that this conversation with Anaya that you'll hear very soon was kind of the missing puzzle piece that needed to follow up that last interview uh, because of how fitting it is with my experience at that ceremony. I sat for two nights of ceremony and to be honest, after the first night I was really unsure if I wanted to stay the second night as I was met with such intense resistance to the medicine the first night and pretty much spent the evening grappling with my own internal resistance to everything that I, I so desire and have been calling into my life. But I knew that because I was feeling resistance, I needed to stay. I knew there was deeper wisdom that she was communicating to me and she was just waiting for me to essentially get out of my own way to be able to receive it. I was definitely feeling the need for support, so I decided to receive combo before the second night of ceremony, which if you're unfamiliar with combo, it is a medicine that comes from the sweat of a specific Amazonian frog, and it acts as a purgative that... Um, Actually, men in tribes will use this before hunting because it, it like flushes your system. It gives you a huge boost of pure, clear energy and um, like high alertness among so many other benefits for your immune system and emotions and so much more. And the way the woman administering it described it was to imagine a monkey comes up to you and takes off a backpack you didn't know you were wearing, dumps out all of the contents, and then puts the backpack on you. And in that moment, you suddenly realize you were even wearing a backpack and now you can see all the shit you've been carrying around. <laughs> and uh, yeah, for me being like, so happy to thrust myself into the tough shit and do internal healing was like, hell yes, please give me that. And I am so glad that I did. That night started out so beautiful and so pleasurable. And then an incident occurred that... Um, Honestly, to me in that moment, it felt like the masculine had come over and told me to shut up and sit down. And it just threw me into 
embodied rage. I suddenly was overwhelmed with an intensity of pure rage, more intense than I have ever experienced before. I literally became rage. I felt it coursing through my veins. My whole right side of my body would not stop shaking, just uncontrollably shaking. And I had to just surrender to my body's intelligence and the deep somatic releasing my body was intuitively moving through. And it was so wild to me because about a year ago, actually, I had a shamanic healing session with Megan Alexandra, who was on episode two of this podcast titled Shamanic Womb Healing. And at that time, she had told me that I was holding this searing red hot um, heat through my, my right side, which your right side is where we hold our relationship to the masculine. So there I was just so overcome with rage of being so deeply dapped into the collective pain of all women who had been hurt and abused and shamed or even killed for their power. And memories started rising of this rage occurring in my childhood at a time when I really didn't understand it or, or why I was feeling it. And then I began seeing all the ways in which I have somewhat manifested my own sense of being imprisoned wrongfully and blocking myself from freedom through past relationships and through dishonoring my own boundaries or allowing others to and so much else. I, I shook the most I've ever shaken. I, I cried the most I've ever cried and then I reached freedom. I rose into the frequency of true abundance, the actual frequency of true abundance, and <laughs> it was fucking magic. I, I left that ceremony feeling so raw and so vulnerable, and honestly, while it was such a healing experience for me, I also felt a level of shame around claiming and expressing my internal rage and yet I felt so fucking clear on what steps to take next and and uh, so free and sharing myself wholeheartedly and this 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 new desire came over me to to really understand rage and what it is why what is rage and why it's there and and how we can heal through it but that's just it. I was, I was thinking about it all wrong. Um, I, I kept regarding my internal rage as something I needed to heal or change or fix, which then, of course, it felt like a total duh moment when I came to higher understanding that, no, my rage is not something needing fixing, but integrating. 
I need to embrace rage. We all, as women, need to embrace rage. And the shame that I have for my rage is what needs releasing. The shame of all women who don't feel comfortable or safe expressing rage or perhaps don't even identify with it because I sure as hell didn't before. But it was because of the shame around it. And now that I understand this, I, I, I truly believe that all women possess this. And it's a good thing. It's a part of the divine feminine. I've come to understand that rage is a healthy and empowering aspect of being a woman of nature. And that rather than fixing it, to harness it and to use it as motivation to create change and create a lot of good from it. It's all about the intention with which we direct it that determines the impact it has on ourselves or on others or on this world. It's a beautiful and necessary part of me, part of us as women. And I believe that's why I left there feeling such a strong charge of passion to forge ahead with launching this new version of the Pleasured Mama Method. And full transparency too, it was the easiest launch I've ever done. There was and still is such a magnetized energy around me and this program and this work of women stepping into the fullness of their sensuous nature, that it all just came together with such ease. It felt like I was fire. If fire could float through the air with total grace and do nothing but create new life and new radiance. So yeah. If you're a woman who is wanting to step into your own fullness and be held in a container of women who are doing the work with you, the Pleasured Mama Method might be the space for you. It's an intimate one-on-one -on -one coaching program with me, all online for three months, and it also has a group component so that you have that sacred sister's support as well. And as you'll hear about in this episode with Anaya, as we talk about rage and the fierce feminine, how important it is that we do this work together as, as women. And I'll make sure to link it all below, but you can also click the link in my Instagram bio at I am Hannah Grosso to read all about the program and uh, just feel into if it's the right fit for you. And then, of course, the same woman who administered the combo medicine also suggested this radiant goddess, Anaya Sophia, as someone I should interview on the podcast. And I was immediately like, yes, yes, yes. And I sent her an email and pleasantly received a reciprocated yes. And yeah, I am just so lit with excitement for you to receive this transmission. And it just so happens that at this time, Anaya is preparing to launch her new book this January 2020 titled The Fierce Feminine Rising, How to Heal from Predatory Relationships and Recenter Your Personal Power. 
And in it, she dives into the topic of sacred rage and and that and being sacred rage and what it is and how it differs from personal anger, which of course I was so excited to discuss with her on this interview. So you'll get to hear all about sacred rage and how we can actually come together as women to rise into empowerment through it. Anaya Sophia is a mystic, a storyteller, and author of Revelatory Wisdom. She uses her voice as medicine to heal and reveal the false codex that we have been living under. And you can really hear this in her voice in this episode. Gosh, I, I could listen to her speak all day long. She carries an oral message that stirs the remembrance of continuous lineage with the feminine principle that throughout the centuries has preserved its spiritual dignity without the need for permission or recognition from any other source. She has a clothing line called Anaya's Wardrobe, which is all goddess-inspired sacred clothing. And she has not one, but nine, yes, nine published books. And The Fierce Feminine Rising, releasing in January 2020, will be her 10th published book. And for anyone who is going through menopause or if you are a woman and will be going through menopause at any time of your life, this episode will also be very powerful for you to hear for that reason as she shares her experience or rather her intense initiation as she refers to it. So this is an incredibly powerful episode and I, I can't wait for you to receive it. So let's get into it. Well, it's so good to to have you here, and I've been I've been really looking forward to this chat. I actually um, came across your work through someone else who had kind of shared um, something of yours, and I um, attended one of your transmissions and was really moved by by you and just um, the real mm, just embodiment of so much wisdom that so many women have come so far removed from um and 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 really in such like a in like a powerfully graceful just wise way um wow <laughs> yeah yeah and then it was just recently um that I I connected with a sister that I had only known through Instagram previously and um, and then she she re- kind of reminded me again of of you and your work and I was like yes I have to I have to have you on the podcast. Wow. So, yes, welcome. Thank you. <laughs> welcome. Thank you. The Period is Power podcast. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So the uh, first question that I love to ask all of the guests on the podcast is what is one way that you feel your womb or your menstrual cycle empowers you in your life? Well, I am coming out of my bleeding cycle. So all I can do is speak from what I remember. And I remember when I would give that blood back to the earth and how that made me feel part of nature. It made me feel close. 
it made me feel as if I was in sync with the cycles, the natural cycles. And as for the importance of the womb, I remember a very clear moment where I'd done maybe 10 years of Kundalini yoga and I was very much a heart-centered person. And so when I was starting to do my sexual healing, you know, and reconnecting to my womb wisdom, I remember consciously moving my center mm. down the womb. <laughs> and then something very different happened within me. It was like an anchoring. There was like a, a fierceness. And once again, like the offering of the menstrual blood, I knew without any doubt I was part of the natural world. My heart was going with the heart of Gaia and that I was a custodian. Oops, no, we don't want that. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> and I was a custodian of everything in that natural world. And that, that was such a profound difference from being heart-centered to womb-centered. Yeah, yeah. Actually, I would love for you to share too your experience or anything that you have been learning from your transition out of being a menstruating woman. Oh, yes. <laughs> Number one, I want to say this is a full-on initiation. It is really honest and it is really humbling and it's absolutely true. A woman does come into contact with a more wild and mystical power that is really, really embodied and stable. It's stably part, of, again, you know, the natural world. But I think the greatest gift and the most painful part of the transition was the movement from uh, a very young, no, not young, <laughs> medium young, juicy, beautiful, vibrant woman and allowing my body and face to change mm. because I am absolutely adamant. I'm going to do this 100% naturally. I'm not going to go for any enhancements, no HRT, no nothing. I'm going to let nature take hold of this body and do what it wants to do with it. I might do a little bit of fitness mm. <laughs> and obviously I'll keep my nutrition going. But if I'm going to wrinkle, I'm going to wrinkle. If I'm going to swell for a few years, I'm going to swell for a few years. I am absolutely devoted to doing this naturally. Mm. Watching the face and body change was hard. Mm. Now, I know I'm not a great beauty. I'm kind of middle of the road. But despite being middle of the road, I was like that, ah, holding on with white knuckles. Please, please, please don't let this happen to me. And of course, it had to happen. And it's what I call a black Madonna moment or a dark mother moment. Mm. We got to be able to look in that mirror and see that young, vibrant face change and the body change. You know, the, the waist becomes a little thicker and you haven't changed your fitness program or your nutrition. Hormones just starting to put weight on. It's very interesting to see how you respond to that. It was not beautiful. It was very ugly. Ugly as in 
the behavior inside of me was ugly. I hadn't become ugly. What I was telling myself was ugly. And I haven't heard that level of dialogue for a long, long time. Mm. And, you know, if, if you can just go through that and hear that and breathe with that and cry at the many losses that we do experience, but through that loss, you come into contact with something else. And it's so true about this, you know, the, the sort of like, I don't give a fuck attitude. And that's coming from the heart. Mm. It's, I, and that's what I want to say to the younger ladies. I'm free. Mm. I am free now to be this older woman. And by golly, that is what you've got to look forward to. Mm. It is a revelation. Wow. <laughs> Thank you for sharing that. And, and when you know, prior to going through this transition for yourself, did, was it something that you you thought about and contemplated of how you would kind of hold yourself through through that transition? Um, yeah, I was always aware of it. I didn't fear it, but I was surprised at the velocity of it when it came. Mm -hmm. I can look back now and see things were starting to change by the time I was about 42, mm -hmm. 43. But I didn't recognize that this was the perimenopausal phase. I was noticing the mood swings. I was noticing the bitchiness. I was noticing like the coldness for no apparent reason. And I was like thinking to myself, oh my God, my personality is getting way out of order here. But I, now I look back and go, aha, that, that was that part. Because when I was a younger woman, we didn't have this word perimenopausal. Mm. This is just something that sort of appeared for me in the last two years. We mm. were just either bleeding or menopausal. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so by the time, you know, the big phenomena started kicking off, like the hot sweats and the flushes, and the, you know, the, the sudden drop into nostalgia and, and like um, a despairing place. Mm. Um, this was quite something to work with. I came across the book, The Medical Medium. Mm -hmm. And I read about uh, drinking raw celery juice first thing in the morning before anything and how that will greatly reduce menopausal symptoms. I want to vouch for that. That is absolutely true. Amazing. But that drop into the nostalgic place, the despairing place, that is really, really honest. You don't actually want to avoid that because that is where the masks and the veils start getting lifted. And what you're grieving, what I was grieving was myself. Mm. And uh, the stripping away process of, of going down to that pit and hanging around and feeling for the genuine me, the naked me, that was glorious. Mm. 
Wow, this is this is really powerful because there's so much um, correlation of this transitional phase of our time of our life um, to the transitional phase of the menstrual cycle and kind of the resistance um, that women have for like fully going into and just like being with all of the the stripping away, the burning away, the transitioning from like that full time ovulation into into the bleeding phase, and we. And we see a lot of pain and a lot of symptoms arise from that sort of resistance and not, not like yeah. just like going in and letting yourself receive all of the lessons and the messages and everything that are trying to come through. Um, yeah. And I think it's also very relatable to your new book that you have coming out. It's coming yeah. out, right? It's not, it's not out just yet, right? No, it's coming out in January. Yeah, yeah the, the Fierce Feminine. and. Yes. For myself, um, that uh, that kind of like archetype of the feminine has been a big, big, big uh, teacher and a, and a lesson of really embracing all phases of my cycle and also, you know, all phases of life, right? Because we go through this risk kind of like more dark, fierce, transitional, fiery, burning thing a lot in our life, whether it's that time of our menstrual cycle or going into menopause or even just like transitioning out of a relationship is very like that, that same thing yes. transitions in our life. Yes. Um, so for, for you, where, where did this, this, um, this fierce feminine energy really come into your life as something that was like, Oh, this, this, you, you know, you've touched something that, that needs looking at. Oh, yes. The, I mean, the fierce feminine rising, this is definitely the byproduct of my menopausal process, <laughs> for sure. Because of this, I don't give a fuckness. I'm not interested in anyone's opinion now. I like to hear it, but it certainly doesn't sway me. And judgments and projections, it's like, you know, there's part of me that's actually hungry for them. Because it's like, yeah. I want them, give them to me. Before menopause, I would have been so offended and so, oh my God, I hurt that person's feelings or I'm not showing up how they expect me to be. And I would have been dancing all over the place, trying to, to fit into what I imagined someone wanted from me. And that, again, that's part of the stripping away process. Mm. Um, another big part of the fierce feminine was this ability to research horrible subjects. Mm. In the book, there's 13 sorrows of the world, 13 issues on this planet that deeply mm. hurt, not even hurt, smash my heart to pieces. And I made myself research and watch those videos. Wow. Uh, research that was dependable and trusted, videos that came from a reliable and grounded source. And once again, uh, prior to this phase, I wouldn't have been able to watch that kind of material. I would have broken down and turned away. Mm. But there was like something mature was growing inside of me and said, you have to look, you have to bear witness and you have to go through the emotions and not get hysterical and crazy and certainly not suppress them. Just absolutely be there. See this. Bear, bear witness is the word that just kept coming. 
And there was a part of me that was willing to do that because I knew, you know, just my eyes upon the screen of watching, I, I saw lots of videos on factory farming, the actual conditions in the UK of the largest farms. Mm. I knew that my organic human eyes upon the screen was reaching that cow or that chicken or that pig. Mm. And that animal knew that I was breathing and feeling alongside its ordeal. Mm. Now that kind of wisdom, that, that stuff like that was not arise, arising when I was younger. I was more interested in other things, you know, like sexuality and the beloved and twin flames. And there's nothing wrong. In fact, that is a fabulous phase to go through because there's powers there, there's healings there. There's devotion and worship there. But that began to sort of slide out of view as I was starting to get older. And that's just one more thing I'd like to mention. Because as I was going through my menopause, my sexual desire really weaned, really drew in. And I was speaking to young mothers about this, you know, and having a little bit of a laugh around it. And they were saying, oh my God, me too. So there's this real collaboration with a, a young mother and a menopausal woman mm. that there can be a phase of you know, sort of growing a little bit disinterested for a while, a little bit like back off, keep away. I'm going through something massive and I need my sacred space. Right. Yeah. It's such an internal thing that, and I'm curious too, like, do you feel having had that, that phase of really um, diving into sacred sensuality and the twin flames and beloved, all of that, do you think that provided you a more open pathway to receiving the wisdom of the fierce feminine through that transitional phase? Yes, I do. And I, I also have this feeling that there's a humbling component because I really did throw myself into the sexual healing and the sacred sexuality and the beloved. You know, I really dived into that devotional pool. I, I became quite, <laughs> quite ecstatic and, and wild with that energy. And that is a great gift. Mm -hmm. I do feel that the menopausal wisdom decided to take me from that pinnacle of sort of ecstatic devotion and say, okay, my love, we're just going to place you in the complete opposite of what you've known. <laughs> <laughs> and, and we're going to just see how you handle that. Mm. I, I really do believe. So I, I experienced this. And then I experienced this. Mm. Now what's happening, starting to bring those two together. But I had to be willing to let go of that mm. sexual part of me. Mm. Yeah. Did it remain for like yourself at all? Like, the, do you feel that perhaps it, it transitioned from being like this kind of like 
outward, external, like sharing all of that, you know, juicy energy that you were cultivating within yourself, being like really out, outward. And then as going through this phase, it's like, oh no, now this is all just for me. And like, I'm yes. just going to like totally absorb and soak all of this in. Absolutely. Absolutely. And nature. Mm. Because I really lost my sex drive. I really had no desire. Mm -hmm. And that's quite scary. What brought that desire back was walking in nature. Mm -hmm. Wow. I I started to get like really aroused by tree sap. (laughs) (laughs) I'd see all these glorious trees in the French Pyrenees. And with my little, you know, x-ray vision or imagination, whatever it is, I started to imagine this elixir, this natural tree sap rising inside the center of the trunk. Mm. And like, you know, even now I'm getting a bit, (laughs) I'm like, oh, yes. And then I realized maybe even a year later, I am being re-educated regarding my sexuality because my earlier version was a program this was you know the sex program the conditioning the the kinds of things i picked up in 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 britain which really isn't much to to relate with (laughs) (laughs) so now i was being informed by my own naturalness Mm. what a real sexuality is a, a more horizontal version Mm. now it's got nothing to do with attracting a man and keeping a man and surprising a man oh no 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 it's much bigger than that now but I can't put words to it yet because I'm still in that little incubator I'm still growing into all of this right yeah wow I'm really um Glad to hear you do you say that. So some of the work that I do, I run a program called the Pleasured Mama Method. And so I work with a lot of mothers who are going through that experience that you just talked about of feeling like just like I, you know, I'm not, you know, like they they want to be intimate and they want, you know, they want to be desirous, but something has just felt like so disconnected from that. And my, my whole perspective on it is like the, because it's not about it being about you and your partner or you and you sharing it with other people, like you're doing plenty of sharing outward. And this is all just about like coming back in and just like fully receiving the really pure pureness of sensuality and and ultimately what that does for connecting you with nature and using nature to to connect to that within yourself so I'm really um pleased that you so I want to actually shift gears for a moment you're book is titled um, The Fierce Feminine and How to Heal from Predatory Relationships and Recenter Your Personal Power. And that, that yeah. phrase, predatory relationships, really kind of like caught, caught my eye. Um, and I, I, can, I can kind of make up my own idea of what that means, but I would love to hear from, from you actually what, what that means. Oh my gosh. Well, the thing about The Fierce Feminine, this book, is that it's an outer map and an inner map Mm. the impulse to write this was very very clear this is not a problem out there this is not about predators out there although it is 
Mm. It is most definitely about the predator inside as well. That's totally like stalking you. (laughs) (laughs) Trying to steal your light and sabotage creative endeavors. And and this mm, program, this tendency, we are seeing in glorious bright lights right now in most of our governments and political situations. So by the time this book comes out, it's gonna be absolutely perfect. My publisher, Inner Traditions, has sat on this for a year. And at first I was like, no, don't sit on it for a year. Now, 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 get it out now. But now I can see, oh my God, January is gonna be perfect. And at the moment, I'm uh, recording the audio book. And so I can hear myself saying all this stuff. And, you know, even today, there's a huge Extinction Rebellion protest in London. The whole city is shut down. And so I'm realizing, wow, this timing is immense. But the main message is to, again, you know, lift the veils of perception and see where you might be in a predatory or perpetrator relationship or circumstance event or space and how to deal with it, how to wake up to that and how to understand what that is. It's about narcissists and psychopaths and, and everything, you know, I've been, I've been calling it the dark agenda, but there are forces out there. And this goes all the way back to the Gnostic tradition, which I'm part of. And even that tradition calls these things forces of anti-awakening. There are uh, influences. We can just say influences. We don't have to say entities. There are influences and forces that are vested in keeping us humans at a certain level. And if we start tapping into our really true potential and actioning on that, there is gonna be a swarm and but this is what is going to happen because we can see it everywhere now this consciousness of ours is awakening is expanding we are going to be tapping into that forbidden potential and so this book is the map the how to out there how to within and how to in relationship Because these forces like to use other people (laughs) as their agents to kind of coerce and manipulate a certain person. Mm -hmm. And even your nearest and dearest can have one of those agents coming through them. I can have one of those agents coming through me. I have heard it and felt it. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm interacting with my husband, Pete, and suddenly, lo and behold, something is impersonating me. Mm. It's got my face, it's got my voice, but it's got a really bad tendency, a really bad intention. And it's so subtle. So it's about noticing, noticing and being aware and staying awake. Mm. Yeah, it's like darkness has the kind of like empowered side of darkness and then the the disempowered part of darkness and it's like 
the, the shadow or the shadow aspect, right? Yes. The shadow aspect of the darkness is what is these influences that, that we're speaking about here that are coming through. And um, for, for kind of addressing that or moving through it and the kind of power that it can have over us, yes. it's entering into and fully leaning into and embracing the, the, the darkness that, that brings it back into that empowered state. Absolutely. Yeah. And yeah. So, so over the moon that the publisher asked me to narrate it because there's a certain alchemy in this book these words have to be said from the heart mm. and with like a dusting of joy and elevation. Because if you, if you read it like a conspiracy theory, that's not the frequency. Mm. That's not what starts unlocking things. But if you read this material from, through your heart mm. with a little crinkly eye and a little glint of joy because that is the antidote that's 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 what that influence simply cannot interact with and if anything this is really controversial what i'm going to say i believe those agents those influences actually kind of strangely respect the joy and the heart of humans if we can interact with it at that frequency, I do. I believe there's like a little tilting of the cap, you know, like fair mm. yeah, play. <laughs> because one of the greatest Gnostic understandings is that the light and the dark truly do respect one another. Mm. There is a real honoring of one another's role. And at the end of the day, right the way back, there is no fight. There is no war. But when we're, you know, out here in the 3D, 4D, 5D, by golly, <laughs> there's a lot going on. But if we can establish that heart and that joy and that glint in the eye when it's happening, not to, you know, take the piss or humiliate, but to just literally be in love, in joy, and warm towards it, Oh, now we have some interesting alchemy. <laughs> and leaning into the fierce feminine is is that, and because uh, the the like the fierce feminine, I would say, is more of like the shadow aspect of the feminine that we have been conditioned to not fully lean into and thus it has created yes. all of this tension and, and allowing this you know more shadowy aspect of the darkness to have its its way with us yes um, yes yeah i don't know if you have any more you want to kind of like speak on that with well all women i would say across the globe in all our cultures and all our tradition well no no not indigenous women most cultures and traditions have, um, there's, you know, there's a program for the female to be very pleasing, very polite, mm -hmm. uh, agreeable, um, not to challenge too much. That's one aspect of the program. There's another aspect that frowns upon any form of hysteria. 
any forms of abruptness, any form of outspokenness. And this, as we know, is centuries, centuries old. And um, this is very much what the fierce feminine is beckoning, beckoning us into to do our healing around our voice, around the power within the voice, the, the tonality within the voice, to have access to all vocabulary, understood and not understood, mm. to, be, to be able to speak freely and authentically and at times with dignity and nobility and at other times crass and raw and honest. Mm. And I want to say that the fierce feminine is not an angry bitch. Mm -hmm. That is two very distinct frequencies. The angry bitch wants to point the finger and wants to harm you. Whereas the fierce feminine doesn't want to harm anyone. It's not about blame or shame. It's just this high, deep velocity of no. Mm -hmm. This is not happening anymore. This game this play is over. And when a woman and a man taps into that, it's like, okay, <laughs> you, can, you can hear it a million miles away. What is the authentic frequency and what is someone, you know, it's laced with our own personal anger. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, and so something that you talk about in the book is the, the, the difference between sacred rage and personal anger. So yeah. I'd love for you to kind of share a little more about that because this is actually something that um, I have been kind of observing and working around um, within my own self. And you know, mm -hmm. I remember as a very little girl experiencing a lot of like anger and rage specifically around things like, you know, having my sister and I having to do the household chores while my brother got away with it or, you know, just, um, just kind of sexism and, and things like that. And I kind of, I kind of put that stuff away and I, it's obviously influenced who I am today and, and the work that I do in the world. Um, but it came up very recently for me in a ceremony that I did, and I was really faced with how much rage I, mm -hmm. I, I have within myself and how much I need to, to process it and, and look at it and really lean into it and learn from it. Um, mm -hmm. and, and I love that you put it in these terms of there's sacred rage and then there's personal anger. And mm -hmm. so I would love to, for you to kind of explain your perception of that distinction and mm -hmm. like how, how, how can we how can we as women start to really lean in um, to our sacred rage and what does that even look like in in our lives? Well, when I went on this journey, I again noted that sacred rage is was never about me or the I. Again, it's it's very wide. It's about us you know, when you really bring it up, because it is a sacred rage, you will overhear yourself representing more than just you. And that is a classic hallmark. 
when it's personal anger, it's about some kind of injustice, some kind of betrayal that's happened to the self. So that's the, the two qualities for now. In both instances, there's always gonna be a backlash. So I feel what we have to do is deliver our sacred rage or our personal anger and just get out ASAP. Because what might happen, particularly if we're female, is another program which will kick in, which will start making us feel guilty that we've got wrathful or we've got angry. Mm-hmm. And then we're going to start mopping things up and like, oh, I'm sorry. Oh, I apologize. Maybe I did go a bit too far there. We must not do that. We must deliver and then leave. Now, that leaving doesn't mean that perhaps you physically have left. What you've done is you've disconnected by what's been said and done, and you just stand your ground now. Mm. Don't pick up the fight. Don't get into argumentation and do your best to process those feelings of guilt because the feelings of guilt are associated with the centuries of being silent. We have to realize that. We have to just stand our ground and just accept we have just said really outrageous things. (laughs) And we are not going to apologize. Certainly not immediately. Maybe we can take a few days to really feel into, did I go too far there? Did I offend anyone there? And to then come forward and apologize. But don't do it on the back foot of releasing what needs to be released. When I had personal anger, there was a huge injustice that did happen to me. And I, I needed to bring this up. I knew it, was, it could cause problems in my body later on in life. So I did a really big prayer to Kali. I was afraid of Kali. Number one, she's a Hindu goddess, and I don't know too much about her, to be honest. I'm more on the sort of mystical Christ path. But I knew she was the one for the job. And so I prayed very deeply and openly to her. And I said, I'm afraid of you. I don't know you. And I'm so wild. I've got so much inside of me. I'm afraid I'm going to become evil. Or I'm afraid I'm going to become so mad and twisted that I never actually come back to my warm personality and inwardly she was like (laughs) you've come to the right person (laughs) (laughs) so off we went we went I started to get into it and it had to be a bodily exercise Mm. this was not something that you can do in your normal personality so I got down onto all fours and I'm flexing my spine and you know I'm turning into an animal I'm trying everything to shapeshift from this perfect little white pleasing person Mm. into something more primordial. Anyway, it started to happen. Midway through my rant, I myself started to plan a really wicked, spiky, I'm so going to attack you sentence. I was like gathering all this energy and I was crafting it into a fine point. (laughs) I was energetically going to send it to the person I had in mind. 
I started to see that sentence lining up in my imagination. And then when I was going to use this Kali energy to actually say it, my mind went blank mm. and it didn't get said. And even now to this day, I cannot remember what that sentence was. So at the end of the experience, I know Kali saved me from myself. Because mm. you got to remember my prayer was, I'm afraid I'm going to misuse this energy. And I, I thought it was going to be her that influenced me to misuse this energy. No, it was me. So that's, I can say, Kali is a safeguard against our own almighty shadow. Mm. Wow. Yeah, that was a big one. It's kind of perhaps already answers my next question, but <laughs> maybe there's there's more to that. Um, I was I was going to ask you if you feel that our sensuality and particularly what we were saying before of like this is for me and like this is like an internal thing that I'm like gifting to myself mm. is that like a, a pathway to processing and addressing this sacred rage within us? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. When I got into my sacred rage, I had two girlfriends with me and I had Pete. And the two girlfriends were like midwives because, you know, I was like, trying to get into it and I'm really self-conscious and, you know, I'm failing miserably, basically. But they started to get into something primordial and they knew I had to get this out of me because of health reasons. And I look back now and I, I just know without those two sisters there, it wasn't going to happen. Mm. We did this together. And it was, um, it was very much like birthing. I had to give myself the permission to really bring it through my throat, to really speak the mm. silent screams. You know, everything I'd stuffed down had to come up. I'm not sure if I'd have taken a sensual path Mm. that I'd have got my hands on that volatile and justified response. Mm. Mm. So I had, to, I had to take that sort of abrasive, full body convulsion. <laughs> I had to go there. Mm -hmm. mm. Yeah, it's all those the aspects of the feminine that we aren't as, um, you know, set up to, yeah. to, to really explore within ourselves. And, um, I mean, even, even through that though, like the sounding and the like, rah, like, you know, all of that, um, like I, for, for myself, I feel like that really brings us into a like, 
higher level of understanding of what it even means to be a sensuous being of nature. Um, And, and not that it, it, like it, like being sensuous doesn't have to be like the, the only half of the feminine of being soft and like feeling and all of that but it is this it is the rage and it is being able to feel the rage um where we can come into the fullness of our of our sensual self absolutely yeah (laughs) it's very elemental we start behaving like elements Mm -hmm. you know thunder lightning wind yeah Yeah. And again, going back to like, how can we learn from nature and like, how, how does nature process anger and process and like really express the yeah. fullness of like the, the intensity of, of anger and, and not that it, and it's like not a bad thing. Yes, it's right. not something for us to, to be afraid of, but it actually yeah. creates this like powerful force for, for change and for, for yeah. new life to come through essentially. It's like a rainstorm, you know. The rainstorm doesn't sort of suddenly come back and go, oh, I'm sorry. Did yeah. I get you? Yes. Oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's amazing. Um, do, do men as well have sacred rage? And, and for us as women, as we lean into our own sacred rage and kind of dance with it, are we acting as stewards essentially for to allow for men to process that within themselves as well? I, I believe so. Absolutely. Um, women are most definitely stepping into this first because it is a feminine uh, quality. It is a feminine tendency. Men, of course, having the feminine energy within them, they will have access to this, you know, this ability to to grow wild on behalf of something greater than just their individual self. But like us ladies, they will have to, you know, move through their personal anger first before you can cleanly access the sacred rage. I saw an amazing documentary the other day called The Work. It's about uh, guys on the street going into the prison to join up with guys on the inside and, and do men's work. So it's half inmates, half regular guys. And it's like a little um, glimpse in on men's work mm. and a kind of conversation and, uh, and how they start opening up and what it looks and feels like when a guy opens up mm. and, and brings his debris and material up. And it's full on. And I feel everybody should watch this documentary mm. because you are going to get to see a very realistic vision of what men are walking around with. Mm. And you can really see, oh, yes, this is men's work. This is what brothers do. We can't do this. We can't facilitate that. Us women cannot facilitate that. We should not be facilitating that. That is the gift of brother to brother. And I can see, wow, if a guy gets through that, holy moly, 
And this being accesses his sacred rage on behalf of Standing Rock or on behalf of any kind of border that's going up and it simply shouldn't be there. Wow, us humans are going to be immense. Mm. Immense. Mm. Yeah, now that is sexy. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> mm, amazing. For women to really start to address and 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 invite themselves into the fullest expression of and processing of their sacred rage, what are like one to three things, pieces of advice or practices or anything like that, that you could give women of like, this is how we can start to, to embark on this, on this journey. Mm. Number one would be the creation of a circle. Mm. So we have to have support. We have to have our nearest and dearest with us. Would you say that specifically with women, like other women or just close people yes I, I would say so at this stage this is just my opinion I would say so just other women at this stage the second clause is to these people present to really make sure that our fellow sister does not harm herself in any way because as I said it's a full bodily process and, you know, we can start bashing and, and just going crazy. And so we have to make, just maintain um, the safety of our dear friend going through the process. Aftercare and aftermath is really important. Resting, sleeping, soothing, comforting, no questions, no analysis, no conversation, not like, oh, how was that? No, none of that. <laughs> Just into the wordless, you know, primordial womb. It really so should be a sacrament. It's like a holy covenant. This that has just happened will never get mentioned because this is sacred. What this woman is about to show you is easily as sacred as showing you her yoni, her naked body. It's even deeper than that. The whole process, should you be part of it, is an honor to be part of this. If someone has invited you to hold space while they get into this, this is a huge honor. And so it really it would be wise to treat the whole thing as a very high level ceremony. The person will have concerns that they've gone too far. They've made a fool of themselves. They've said crazy things. So the people present have to be very deep, very mature. And rather than use their word to console their friend, use their touch like a somatic, deep, dark, pre-verbal touch and that will be the whole circle and you know that person feels honored but it's best not to speak about it not immediately 
uh, that would be lovely if you know if women started doing these ceremonies together wow what a gift yeah <laughs> what a gift um i i can personally imagine just how how powerful that is and i am grateful and fortunate enough that i i have a close group of women who understand this this type of work that i am literally going to reach out to and and mm. plan a ceremony like this um oh, beautiful. when i sat in um, a plant ceremony a few weeks ago, and I was experiencing this this rage, and it and it was very much what you're, you're you were saying before. It's like it's a collective rage. It's 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 not just like you know there. Of course, there's certain things that have happened in my life that I can that I can process, um, but this was like this was big. This was um, you know thousands of years of um, women being abused and um, degraded, uh, like really like the rage of that coursing through me. And the, I just kept being like, I just, I just want someone to, to, to help me through this. Um, yeah. and so I can, I can feel like I can viscerally feel, um, the, the power and the, the transformation of that, that will occur, um, by, by having women hold that, hold that space for that processing. Yeah. 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 Thank you so much Beautiful. for sharing that. Yeah. Oh, thank you so much. I can see you've picked it up and uh, uh, absorbed it. Thank you. Mm, yeah. 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 This is, this is like really, really, really big stuff and yeah. probably um, like, <laughs> you know, there, there's a lot of things I would say would be like the next step, but this is like a very, very, very important step for, for the evolution of humanity and the rise of our, our consciousness, um, but just the healing of, of women and how much there is of that to be had. Um, yeah. And this is a huge part that, that hasn't been um, uh, felt comfortable. A lot of women haven't felt comfortable um, or safe, let's say, um, exploring mm -hmm. this. And mm -hmm. yeah, for for women to to hold these spaces for each other to to create yeah. that safe container. And I love to what you said about um, not needing to comfort through word, mm -hmm. uh, but having it be a somatic thing because it is such a deep somatic level of um, rage and. Um, of processing that that needs to occur and so to have the like the somatic bodies kind of holding and speaking to each other rather than it being like coming from this you know more conditioned human form <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. Right. in our past you know if we go back us women we lost our voice together mm. we were condemned and forbidden and persecuted together you know there was always like loads of women burning at the stake or loads of women um you know sent down to the bottom of the river and so it stands to reason the the beautiful poetry of it all is that we find our voice together mm. this is not a one woman mission this is a this is a sisterhood we lost our voice as a sisterhood we find our voice as a sisterhood and this will gift us 
the ability to trust in women again, because yeah. all of that's in there as well. You know, if one of us got arrested and one of us is getting burnt at the stake and there's a few other wise women around and they ran away, the distrust of the feminine is right there. So all of this gets healed and made whole again. Yes, really, really big, big, big work. Mm-hmm. Mm, well, thank you so much for, for putting this out there and um, going through the, the challenge of your own transitional phase to kind of receive this um, important message that will, will honestly change the world, I believe. Well, I, I'm totally shaking here. Mm-hmm. I'm, I know, there's like, oh. <laughs> I really feel you're going to do something with this, Hannah. I really do. I am. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the, honestly, the, the timing of this. That's kind of how all of these episodes have been happening. The, the timing is yeah. just, this is, this is my medicine. I, I, mean, I know I'm creating this podcast <laughs> for, for women or other women, but uh, absolutely. Um, and and it's, all, it's all connected to you. I know that I'm, I'm experiencing and going through the things that I am because it is on the collective um, right now. So, yes. Okay, um, I actually just wanted to ask you, totally shifting gears into a totally different thing, um, but your, your clothing line, I've been oh, yeah. um, so loving all of the pieces that you've shared um, and that you wear in your, your posts on Instagram, um, and I'd love to know like, what kind of inspired that and what you hope that women can, can, can get from wearing being adorning their, their temples in this like goddess wear. Well, the first part of my life in my 20s, I was a fashion de- designer in London. So that is where this tendency comes from. Um, and I love clothes. I, I mean, look, I'm still, I'm still playing around with appearance. <laughs> I love appearance. And so, you know, I've taken, like for instance, the Lord's Prayer in Aramaic as a print and made beautiful long dresses and shawls and leggings and all of that thing. And I've got um, a- another print, which is Sophia Isis Magdalene, handwritten all over the garments. So I'm just playing. I'm just bringing my two worlds together, really, for me, because it's what I would love to wear. And, and it seems other people do, too. So yeah, that's, that's, I've, I've really enjoyed this process of, because I always love beauty. And even this work I'm doing now, it's, it's to beautify the inner parts of us. Whereas in my earlier days, it was to beautify the outer. So now in my third phase, it's to beautify both. <laughs> everything, mm. everything made beautiful. <laughs> mm, I love that. Well, um, yeah, everyone, I'll, I'll make sure to like link everything below. And um, also before I forget, because I, I forgot to ask you, what was the name of that documentary that you, that you mentioned? The Work. The Work. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Yep. That's a fitting title. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Beautiful. Um, okay. 
So what is one way that you would advise women something that they can kind of end listening to this, this episode and go back into their lives today? And what is one thing that they can do to really stand or tap into more of their own internal power in their lives? Well, what I'll do is I'll leave you with this little seven step template, which is kind of like seven frequencies to put in each of the chakras, like pennies going in a piggy bank. So the first penny, which goes into the root, is the ability, we must find our ability to stand our ground. The second penny that goes into the sacral is to draw a line in the sand and say, okay, from now onwards, sovereign sexuality. Mm. My yes is a yes, my no is a no, and my don't know is a no. The third piece in the solar plexus would be the the desire and the understanding that boundaries are an act of the deepest self-love and the ability to maintain those boundaries. Coming up to the heart, the fourth one would be, again, another act of self-love. I am not carrying secrets. I'm not carrying secrets about myself. And I'm certainly not going to carry a secret because you've asked me to. So it's really keeping that heart clear and open. Coming up to the throat, the ability and the desire to speak up and speak out. So work on clearing the voice, really feeling into the the tonality, the texture. Can you be loud? Can you be gentle? Can you be slow? Can you be fast? You know, voice dance. (laughs) (laughs) And finally, up at the third eye, trust your intuition. And the other day in Hungary, I I actually said, and I still stand by this, all all of your red flags, all of your hunches are true. Again, that is a radical thing to say, but I'm going to say it anyway. I do believe us beings that are working on opening things up, I do believe we're at a level now. If we have a little red flag go off inside of us, we need to pay attention to that. If it's not 100% true, it's going to be 80% true. That red flag is going off for a reason to pay attention and to honor that internal system inside of us. And then finally, for the crown, to remember and re-establish a really honest, solid, simple faith. And we might find that way back in childhood when we actually had a very simple, very honest and uncomplicated encounter with our creator. And to start building upon that. Because the new age is full of promises full of hoaxes and full of strange paths we must find you know in times of crisis we're going to need that faith where is it gone let's bring it back so there's seven fabulous ways just to start working 
Wow. Incredibly powerful. I really loved that. Thank you. Mm. Thank you, Hannah. Mm-hmm. This is really good having this conversation. Yeah. Really easy. Mm. Yeah. Very. Mm. Very. Well, I so appreciate your presence and I am so grateful for all of the wisdom and the work that you are sharing in the world and truly changing lives. And um, I'm really looking forward and um, I'll, I'll actually update you if, uh, when, not if, but when I, I ha- have that kind of sacred ceremony and wow. what comes of that. So thank well, you. I would like to light a candle on that occasion. Mm. Yeah, okay. I a little vigil for you. Amazing. I really mm. appreciate that. Mm. I really appreciate that. Okay, Anaya, thank you so, so much. And um, I hope we connect soon. Oh, I hope so. Yes. Thank you, Hannah. Thank you so much. Hey, beauty. As a reminder, if you love this episode, then head over to iTunes and leave a five-star heartfelt review telling listeners why you loved this episode. And then you can take a screenshot and email it to me at hannah at eightlimmama.com and I will personally send you for free the first half of my online program called Moon in which you learn about the archetypal moon energies that correlate to the phases of your menstrual cycle as well as an Ombo Women's Embodied Movement video for each phase of your cycle. And you'll also receive a 50% off discount code to purchase the full program if you decide you love the program and you want the second half. So again, all you have to do is leave a five-star review telling listeners why you love the episode, screenshot it, and email it to me at hannah at and you can find the spelling of that in the show notes. Pachamama's baby, he's the